0: Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it.
1: Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. My guest today is Travis Good. Uh, Travis Good is the co-founder, CEO, and chief privacy officer of Catalyze, and this is a, a guest who has as diverse and robust an academic background as we're going to find. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to discuss his evolution as someone who is learning about healthcare, going into healthcare, and then moving through healthcare in ways that are, in a lot of ways, perhaps uncharted waters. So this is going to be really exciting. Travis, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me on the show. So I want to take a step back because when when you and I first got in contact, obviously we have to try to learn, learn more about who we're meeting with and what we're going to talk about. And I was really struck by the journey that you've been on probably since you finished high school. So I want to give you a chance. Just give us a little snapshot of the journey that you've been on because it's been a journey of incredible depth but also done at really – rather remarkable speed. So take us through the path that you've been on to get you to where you are now the CEO of Catalyze.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'll be happy to talk a little bit about my background. And uh, yeah, it is (laughs) varied and and diverse. I've never heard it described as robust, though. Uh, (laughs) There you go. That's that's a new one for me. Um, So I actually started uh, got into technology when I was still in high school I uh, started working for a, um, a call center company that provided call center technology um, and that's really what got me interested in computers and programming um, and kind of learning on my own ended up going to college um, and majoring in information systems uh, and then getting going on to get my master's degree in the same thing um, it, again because I was interested in uh, interested in computer security and really uh, specifically around sort of networking security and and this was, uh, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so there was a lot happening. Computers were starting to get hooked together, um, more so than they had before. Obviously today, even more so. Um, and <clears throat> then I spent about four years uh, working in cybersecurity, uh, doing a lot of um, ethical uh, hacking, penetration testing. I did a lot of work for healthcare organizations that, you know, were obviously concerned about the, the, the sensitivity of healthcare data, uh, but then also for government agencies, a, a couple, three letter agencies, um, before ultimately deciding that I, I wanted to change my career um, and, and be a physician. So I, I went back uh, to school, um, d- went to medical school, um, decided to do an MD combined with an MBA. And when I was uh, still in school during my uh, MBA year and then during parts of my fourth year, I, uh, I worked for several healthcare organizations, some pretty large national organizations as they were... Looking at new mobile technologies like version one of uh, the iPhone and iPod Touch and and version one of the iPad as well. Uh, looking at things like mobile prescribing, um, and so uh, and and some even looking at you know uh, messaging for things like diabetes and uh, you know sort of early early forms of care management. Now it should become you know much more built out, though not really scaled. Yeah. Um, ultimately, the end of medical school, as we were just discussing, uh, decided not to do a residency and decided to focus exclusively um, at the intersection of healthcare and technology and uh, and 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 security too. That's a big part of what Catalyze does. Uh, but that's been where I've you know where I've been for the past eight years now, seven or eight years now, um, and it's really been the timing has been kind of fascinating because it's been it's been the timing where adoption of ehrs has gone from like you know 10 15% of practicing of of practices or physicians to you know 90 95% we've seen uh you know cybersecurity and network security become a major issue with you know some of the largest breaches and fines in history for for healthcare data breaches um and then we've also seen this explosion you know there was a part of the aca and now a part of uh, MACRA and MIPS and all these <laughs> CJR, all these new acronyms yes. that we have, um, you know, where, where where healthcare as an industry is shifting um, in terms of, you know, the incentives and the risks and everything else. So um, it's been a fascinating time to be in this industry and to be in this space and, and kind of watch these <laughs> these trends in my backgrounds kind of coalesce and come together um, and try to play my part in in, in really um, uh, helping to facilitate those, those really big paradigm shifts and healthcare that are being driven by technology. The,
1: the, that walkthrough you gave is really important because you're absolutely right. There are a handful of people yourself and, and, and I would imagine not too many others who have those two sort of fused skill sets where you have a, a, you know, a, a, the level of understanding of, of healthcare from the provider side. But also a level of expertise from the technology side we've we've had a couple of episodes on explore the space where we've got, done some technology deep dives and where we are and what the current challenges are and you are right at that intersection so take us up take us up pretty high and give us the 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 Google Earth view of what that frontier looks like as we continue to merge i mean not continue to merge we, we are so tightly fused now the world of technology and the world of medicine now it's just more of an evolution what does the frontier of that evolution look like
0: yeah so i'll <laughs> i'll do my best
1: um i'll do my best that's a, right. that's a big big question a big topic yeah that, that's a 12 part lecture series <laughs> um, <could> <laughs> and we're going to distill that down into one podcast episode sorry going to need a bbc producer
0: here <laughs> right um, yeah no, so, I mean, it is this fascinating time in healthcare, and and I think it's one where they're, they're there's, you know, healthcare is a big, big industry. So, you know, if you look at it from an economic standpoint and a business standpoint, it, there, there's a lot of money on the table uh, as as the shifts in healthcare, uh, you know, are coming. And, and as I said, with MACRA and MIPS and bundles and ACOs and, and all the rest, um, and, and just sort of fundamentally changing how, um, you know, what's important in terms of caring for a patient in terms of quality and uh, their their own, you know, their patient reported outcomes and how much they, you know, their satisfaction with the service, all the rest rest um uh, and then accountability for things like readmission and adverse outcomes and all the rest. Uh, but I think what's really interesting, if you if you step back and you look at it, and I think the word frontier is a really good one, um, you see because there are so many dollars at play and because these are such big shifts that are happening in the industry, you have all of these players who are really, really interested in coming in and trying to find a way to play their part in, in, in this new paradigm or these new paradigms in healthcare. Um, and so you see pharmaceutical companies that are, you know, looking at themselves as, you know, not as drug companies anymore, but care management platforms that have a drug component, right? You see payers is fundamentally changing the relationships that they have with their members and providers, um, not just individual clinicians, but the organizations themselves as they start to shift risk and then, (laughs) in a lot of ways, sell tools to uh, healthcare organizations as they take on more of the risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you see healthcare organizations that, you know, are, are really now incented to figure out how do we care for patients outside the four walls? So how do we uh, start using things like you know telemedicine solutions for post you know postoperative or post discharge care? Yeah. Um, and so there, there's this you know if you look at it and it's an interesting way to see it like a Google Earth view. I think you have all of this white space and you have a lot, and then you have the services organizations, the Microsofts, the SAPs, you know all the rest, um, and and they all see this white space and it's a ton of space in, in terms of the dollars that are at stake, in terms of the market size and everything else. And everybody is really trying to figure out. How they play in that space, or how they carve out their space in that in, in that you know in that white area. Um, so it's really kind of a fascinating time because it is you know we are redefining the relationship with patients and payers, and I mentioned I mentioned payers and patients, or patients and consumers, or whoever you call them, yes. um, but also pharmaceutical and patients i mean we we work with pharmaceutical companies that are building applications that that are you know complementary or as i said care management platforms for their medications i mean that's a that's a totally new paradigm where they're essentially involved in in care management and pa- and, and medication adherence and all the rest uh patient education so i i think it's it's you know, there's a lot sort of TBD, um, yeah, but yeah. have so much interest and investment that um, that yeah, we're we're seeing shifts coming probably faster than I, I don't know. I, I think faster than healthcare is probably used to, um, and hopefully they don't break too many things. Um, <laughs> right, but but yeah, it, it is it is kind of fascinating um, because
1: the, everybody's role is changing, really fundamentally changing. But so let me ask you, you you used a turn of phrase that I thought was excellent. The rules of play. We're trying to figure out what these rules of play are. So we've got this big white space, right? We've got this big sandbox. We're all going to play in it. What are those rules of play going to look like so that we don't break things? The issue here is the things are people. The things are populations. The things are healthcare organizations responsible for hundreds of thousands of patient lives. You you went to medical school. You took the Hippocratic Oath. Your Mm -hmm. sense of the rule book, is it similar, different? doesn't matter compared to some of these other people that are going to be in that white space trying to figure out the rules alongside you. I, that's a great question. I mean, I, I'd like to take a positive view of people's motivations
0: right, right. Um, and organizations' motivations. Um, but I, I will say that I think it's very easy to forget why, you know, if, if for people that are in healthcare, uh, whether they're people that are, you know, building technology or some sort of ancillary type service uh, that isn't that, – that's more of an indirect solution um, to patient care, it's easy if you're in that position to kind of forget – what the end result is, right? Which is mm-hmm. patients' lives and mm-hmm. and you know the the, the well being and um of 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 human beings. Um, and so you know I, I don't know maybe it's a little bit easier for me to and and my wife is a practicing physician, so I I guess you know tangentially. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't go that far from it. But so
1: you come home after a board meeting and she will have a very specific view of some of the decisions that are taken. I would imagine
0: <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> she also has all sorts of questions for why things work the way they work yes. in terms. Of Oh, gee. Um which which are oftentimes hard to answer, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> right? Because uh, they don't. I don't think they have good answers. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I, I think it's easy to forget. Um, easy to forget why why I think anybody should be doing anything in healthcare uh, because there is a lot at stake. It's not, you know, this isn't. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting down. I guess, You know, it's it's not
1: social media. It's not something else. There, there's there's a lot at stake here. Well, um, you're not putting anything down. You're right. The stakes are higher. Um, yeah. All of these things, one of the common denominators, of course, is money. And it's money at at numbers and at volumes that are stunning to, to try to contemplate. But this is totally different because these decisions and these infrastructures that are going to be built, this is going to affect generations of people's health care. And the, that health care is going to determine quality of life. It's going to determine, uh, you know, h- life expectancy, infant mortality. It's going to determine all of those things. I don't mean to overstate it, but this is what's at stake. This is why it's, it's great that we, t- we talk about these things. That's why we can take these high views because the stakes really could not be much higher. We're talking about the reshaping of healthcare for for an entire nation and a nation that will influence care around the world. So, you know, it's good yeah. to be paying attention.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is good to be paying attention. And and it's you're right, the challenge is and I mentioned this at the beginning that just the size of the in, the economics of the yeah. industry and the dollars that are at stake. Um and you know, there's, you know, it's it, it it's a common thing for people tend to lose sight uh, sometimes when there's that many dollars at stake. So, uh in healthcare that risk is obviously just just much more
1: acute. So for you though, Obviously, we've taken the Google Earth view, we've gone really high. It's impossible probably for one person to, to be able to control all of the various moving parts. So for you, when you, after medical school, after your MBA, to start a company, what was the, the piece of that puzzle that you said, I'm going to make this one my corner? This is where I want to kind of deep dive. I want to be an expert and I want to move the needle.
0: That's a, it's a good question. So <laughs> I guess in some ways, uh, based on what my company does, I hedged a little bit uh, in that we, we essentially are, you know, we we've built an enabling platform or, or a technology platform that enables new technologies to operate in a more secure and, and, and compliant or now high trust certified way, uh, as well as then connect those data sources, those new data sources for things like telemedicine and care management to um, what we refer to as legacy systems, though they're still... You know, being put in place today, like EHRs, um, so it, it was it was more you know really taking that same macro view at, at what was happening in the industry, you know, and and these really significant investments, not just you know venture investments, but investments that uh, uh, organizations were making, whether that be provider organizations or or, or uh, payer or pharmaceutical, uh, were making in technology for healthcare, um, and and you know, then the sort of common or core challenges that they were facing that were unique in healthcare. Um, and so, you know, we, we, built Catalyze, um, really with the idea that we could take on those unique challenges from a, from a technology infrastructure perspective, and in a lot of ways enable sort of the, you know, thousand flowers to bloom, um, but enable a lot more technologies to, 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 you know, be developed and be deployed and piloted. And ideally, you know, researched and, you know, have some sort of evidence to back up their 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 efficacy and their usage, uh, but enable them to more you know more focus on their core uh, their core value, what they're doing, their users, all those other pieces, and then leave the security and the data exchange piece to, to somebody else. And that, that's really fundamentally what Catalyze does. So in a way, I guess it was a hedge
1: in terms of which corner I was picking. As as it goes forward and as you see, if you were to try to forecast then you know, because it is changing so quickly in front of all of us. When you're on this corner of, you know, uh, network security, uh, patient data security, these sorts of things, are we on a road where we're going to be able to build secure enough walls so that the stuff that we all visualize we can do? Because honestly, to me, I think one of the biggest challenges of developing the rule book for, our, for that white space that you described, and I, I love that, one of the things that's going to really could undermine that are, is security issues. People know about these sorts of things through medicine and otherwise. They're aware of it. They're probably hypervigilant, but they also don't feel like there's much they can do about it, and they rely on the organizations to protect their own data. W- what does that road look like in terms of being able to tell people, as you go into this common healthcare marketplace, the stuff you put into it, your, everything from your vital signs to maybe your own genetic code is going to be safe.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, you know, there there obviously needs to be a lot of thought uh, and there needs to be a lot of investment in, in securing the data because it is very sensitive data in a lot of ways, much more sensitive than even, you know, financial data. Um, so there, there's a lot of reasons to do it. Uh, but I think that there there's also uh, a need to take a very uh, or a more rational approach. There tends to be when it comes to things like HIPAA, when it comes to things like compliance and security and of PHI or protected health information, there tends to be a almost a knee jerk reaction, um, and it's 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 essentially starts with just a roadblock, um, and I think you know, by, by by taking that approach, by, by starting with sort of, you know, this roadblock where, okay, we're just going to say no until somebody forces it otherwise. What ends up happening is you have, you know, a contractor, a consultant for the VA, uh, load data onto their laptop for 10,000 patient records and take it home with them and then get it stolen out of their car. Um, or you have physicians that, you know, text PHI because they don't have any real effective way to communicate or curbside, um, you know, a colleague or a specialist or somebody like that. And so you have – when you put up these roadblocks, you end up, you know, cr- creating a situation where uh, people have to solve these problems one way or the other. They can't be stopped. This is patient care, um, like, you know, we, we alluded to it at the beginning. And so you, you need to uh, – by, by putting up those roadblocks, you, you in some ways – almost encourage, um, people to go around them. Uh, and not because it's any fault of those people going around them, but it, it, it's just, they have to for their job. They have to for patient care. They have to for, you know, even if it's, you know, uh, analytics on the data and then they need to load the data onto their laptop because they can't connect to it remotely. Um, so I think that, you know, taking a more rational approach and saying, okay, you know, data is going to be stored in different places. Data is going to flow between, this EHR and this EHR, this EHR and this telemedicine solution or, or this, you know, respiratory care platform or whatever, um, you know, it is going to flow. So how do we then secure that data? How do we track where it's going? How do we track who has access? How do we, you know, create a log of where all that data is stored? And then how do we ensure that when it's not within our own facility or on our own servers, that it's being protected Um, you know, in the way that it should be protected because it's very sensitive data. Um, And so I think, you know, as an industry... And this, this is much more on the technology and the the, the, the you know, sort of security and compliance side of things. Um, taking a much more rational approach and accepting that this this is happening, these trends are happening in terms of healthcare data moving around, being stored and, you know, not just, you know, your own servers but in, in potentially public, uh, you know, public cloud servers or remote servers, things like that. Um, I think that actually thinking about, okay, this is happening and now how do we actually secure it? We, we, we can't stand, it you know, stand on the sidelines and say it's not going to happen. So, um, Taking a much more sort of reasonable approach um, and then starting to think through how we actually live in this new world instead of just trying to put up a roadblock to prevent this new world is a much, much more effective way of dealing with it
1: the The only counter I have to that is this idea of a reasonable approach in the setting of the amounts of money that you and I are talking about. <laughs> so, so I, so I would agree. Um, and there, there are probably two different pieces
0: here. There's, there's one which is you know a security piece, which is um, you know, which, which it's if somebody's covered. There's a piece here of who's covered under HIPAA. So HIPAA does do a you know a good job of really. It's getting a little more gray, but for the most part, defining who is actually covered and who's responsible for securing data and who's essentially at risk if anything should happen. And then there's, you know, so that's the security piece. And that's one where I think we need to have a rational approach. I I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, what you're referring to is almost another side, which I differentiate a little bit, which is kind of the privacy side of things, which relates to, you know, a lot of um, consumer applications or direct-to-consumer applications or platforms for whatever it might be, uh, collecting uh, medical records for individuals or genetic information on individuals or labs or medication histories or whatever it might be. And then, you know, by going directly to consumers, you're essentially circumventing HIPAA. Um, And in those cases, yeah, you're exactly right. The, the, The dollars are you know, the dollars at stake lead to or can potentially lead to things that are really significant, significant problems. So I, I think
1: that what you just said, though, about the dynamic of the direct consumer marketing and then the utility of HIPAA in the large organizations, that distinction that you and I are able to make, I don't think that that's a globally recognized distinction. And I think that that's one of the primary issues with direct consumer marketing where people don't realize they don't have those protections anymore that their data does not have to necessarily be protected in the same way it would be if they were in a hospital and there was a paper chart sitting on a desk. And I, I think that that's where, what you say that that rational approach and I think people's expectation that we're gonna build systems to protect that, we have to recognize I think first and foremost that that is a distinction that we might make, but I wonder what percentage of the healthcare consumer population makes that distinction and otherwise is assuming that everything will be protected under the same umbrella.
0: Yeah, so I I think you're exactly right. I think most people, I I don't think most people fully realize you know the amount of data that Google has on you specific to you, <laughs> specific to your healthcare, right? And your, you know, your, you just uh,
1: said that out loud, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I did. Um, but yeah, it's true. You know, I mean, I yeah. don't think people realize how you know. I mean, in terms of just what you search on Google, the the intelligence that Google has on on individuals is pretty astounding. Um, and you're right. I don't. I, I don't think people fully realize how sophisticated some of these programs are, some of these companies are in terms of technology. Um, and you're, you, they don't make the distinction. Um, and it, uh, you know, I, I see it as a similar challenge to any sort of direct to consumer marketing when it comes to health or wellness type products. You know, I put supplements in a sort of a similar bucket um, where you know you can advertise, you know, direct to consumer, and you kind of get around the FDA and a lot of the regulatory pieces. I think that direct to consumer health IT presents potentially those same challenges. And I, I, yeah, it is nuanced for those who aren't within the industry. And I think most people don't fully understand, you know, the value of the data that they're providing to people. Um, And they don't always make the connection (laughs) as to why a certain service is free. Um, (laughs) Right,
1: right. Who is reaching out to you then? Who who are the entities that are saying, Travis, you know, come and take a look at what we're doing, and give us some insight on what we need to do differently or, or better or pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess my question is, you know, who, who has their radar up and is thinking about these things and is asking people, you know, with some level of training and insight to kind of give their take?
0: I mean, we, by and large, um, actually we don't have any, uh, you know,
1: B to C or direct to
0: consumer, uh, customers. Um, well, maybe I would take that back, but they, 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 work through covered entities in some way. So I'll give you some examples. So most of the, most of the, you know, on the vendor side, we have kind of a broad swath on the vendor side, we have telemedicine companies and care management companies and clinical communication companies. And, um, and, and you know, that. the, are business-to-business or B2B companies, and they okay. sell to healthcare organizations or, or, or largely insurance companies or payers. Uh, and so they're business associates, and they can't implement those solutions unless they are uh, in compliance and their data is secure. Uh, so that's, that's one side of it. Uh, we do also work with and get approached uh, frequently by... Um, Innovation groups or sometimes clinical IT uh, at um, healthcare organizations. So, you know, uh, uh, the VA is a customer of ours. Um, MedStar is a customer of ours in DC. We, so we have we have healthcare organization uh, customers as well, uh, which obviously they they have concerns <laughs> about security. And then we also have um, uh, payers and pharmaceutical companies. the The only caveat I would make: those pharmaceutical companies obviously do um, market directly to consumers, but in the it, it, in working with the groups that we work with at, at pharmaceutical companies, they're through partnerships that they have with care delivery organizations or, or healthcare organization. So, um, so it's in, in every case, it's one that's, that's, you know, they're business to business and they're not direct to consumer technologies or direct to to consumer products.
1: Do you feel like the consumer's level of engagement with these questions is greater than less than, or equal to what it was in the past and what you as an expert in the field feel like it should be? That's a good question
0: um it, it it's tough it's it's not it's it's not what it should be mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that I don't think people understa- like i mentioned before understand and sort of the extent of the the intelligence and insight that a Google or a facebook or somebody like that would have on you um but it is so nuanced that i i i am hesitant to to think that there's there's that much more of a burden that we can put on individuals to really understand these things mm-hmm. um because the point yeah. It's it's not a it's not that straightforward. I mean, it, it's really hard to understand all of the different ways that we're tracked these days. That's this isn't specific to healthcare, but it is <laughs> it is it is relevant to technology. We're giving my whole audience a panic attack, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah, it's true, uh, yeah. but <laughs> there's no way around it. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's 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 probably not what it is, but or maybe what it would be in an ideal world. But the problem is, is technology continues to, you know, to, to, to evolve and, you know, continues to become more sophisticated in terms of combining different types of data and different understanding around individuals. I think it just becomes harder and harder for them to understand it. And that that's, that's probably the scariest part about it is that, you know, as much as, you or I or anybody would like them to have a better understanding, and I think they have more of an understanding now than they did, you know, five years ago or ten years ago. Um, but I still don't think you can really fully understand um, or appreciate the significance of the data, um, the value of the data that you're providing. I don't think most people know what their medical record is worth versus their financial financial record, as an example. Um, Which and one I don't do you know think is more valuable. There's actually been some studies. Um, I'm, I, 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 I'm blanking on the exact value at this point, but it was something like a you know a financial record was worth a few dollars, three dollars, something like that. But a healthcare record was worth like forty-eight or fifty-two dollars. I mean, it was a significant difference. And so healthcare, like f- so like five thousand percent more or something it, like that. It, yeah, it was a lot. It, the, the value was significantly more. Wow. You know, it's yeah. it's like I, you know I we often say you can change. You know, you can change your credit card number. You can't change your genetic code. You that's can't, right. you know, a diagnosis is a diagnosis, right? Yep. Um, and even if it's a historical diagnosis, it's relevant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's it, yeah, there's, there's really a fundamental challenge there. Um, and I, I don't know if people fully realize, you know, how valuable that data is, is and why somebody could provide all of these things for free, um, you know, just in
1: exchange for you filling out some forms, providing some of your data. So this is something that has come up before on previous episodes of my podcast, and it's this idea of how can people on the you know consumer side of the equation insulate themselves a little bit just taking their own sort of precautions we've talked a lot about you know the idea of when there's these new sexy things that come to market, you know being pragmatic, being careful before you sign anything over or provide them with anything but is there more things that you might suggest that That if you were to sit down with a working group of 50 people, a focus group to kind of educate them and and get a sense of their key questions and give them some advice, you know, in, in hearing you talk about this, I'm thinking, well, how would we get this sort of word out so that we can have an educated population on a scalable level? What would be the way for us to do that?
0: So, I mean, I think one of the ways, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a challenge to do this. It's a
1: huge challenge. It's a huge challenge to do it. Absolutely. You're. You, this is why you're here. We, we can pick your brain a little bit and we can <laughs> kick some ideas around because there may not be a perfect answer yet either. And that's part yeah. of the size of the challenge. But at least we can start to wrap our arms around how big this, this giant grizzly bear is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I often think about... Uh, you know, when I upgrade, I I have an Apple phone and when I, when I upgrade my phone the you know, 50, whatever page agreement that I'm supposed to read on my phone and agree to (laughs) before I upgrade. Um, and you know, the fact that they give me a, you know, an agree button on the first page, uh, you know, means that I'm not going to read the rest of it. Right. Um, and so if we could come up with some common form or common elements, almost like a, you know, a too-long-don't-read version of a notice of privacy practices, um, something that was really understandable. And as an industry, we agreed to what those things were, like we're not going to share any of your, you know, personal specific data, or we are going to share, uh, or we may potentially share, I should say, you know, aggregate data so you're not individually identifiable. You know, if, if we could make something that, that you know, the the average person could could read and digest in a couple of bullets. It would probably be a great, you know, start. And if we could do it in a common way, where you know we all the industry sort of came together and agreed to what those sort of bullets or that that matrix look like in terms of permissions and privacy settings, uh, I think that would I think that would be fantastic. And I think that would be hugely valuable for the industry. Now, I, I, I mean, that's not an easy thing to do. And. S- so, you know, it, it's it's oftentimes in Apple's or in whoever's interest to have a much longer form, right?
1: Because it's so like interesting, though, gonna... because you're the guy, you're one of the guys who's in that in that white space, right? And you were, it's so funny how these conversations wrap around each other and fold back to how we started. We were talking about needing a rule book, and you just laid out one of the chapters of the rule book, and it may only need to be a half a page, but- mm-hmm. That needs to be taken back. It needs to be in those conversations that, look, it doesn't need to be long. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. But almost like a code of ethics in a way, if nothing better. Yeah. To say that these are the core principles to which we are going to as physicians, as business people, as corporate entities, as patients, we're going to try and agree to subscribe to so that we can make safe and rational decisions going forward. Um, and that, that probably should somehow be in that rule book you were talking about at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I agree completely. There was actually a, um, I think a few years ago, three or four years ago, Fred Trotter, he was one of the original guys who developed Vista at the VA. Um, and a couple other people were, were, we're trying to create exactly what I was describing, sort of a common notice of privacy practices um, that could be adopted. And I, I don't think it actually got off the ground, but I, I, I agree completely. It should be a sort of a core point of the rule book. Um, it's, you know, and it, it's, it's, it's more relevant today than it was 12 months ago, and I can bet it's going to be a lot more re- relevant in 12 months or in five years or in 10 years than it is today. Um, and so the sooner, you know, we, we try to figure some of these things out and see if there is a group that would come together and align on this. Um, I mean, I think it's the better for the industry and the better for the, the end users. And in this
1: case, that's, that's people and that's you know, health and wellness. So I'm going to give you – it's going to be yourself and five other either specific people or jobs that are going to be at that table with you to decide on – you get a half a page and you're going to come up with that sort of code of ethics around privacy. What – Experts do you want in that room with you? That's a good question.
0: Um, Very good question. So I I
1: I would get somebody. uh, And I just totally put you on the spot. I'll I'll own it. That's fine. But you still have to give it a shot. (laughs) I'll give it a shot.
0: Uh, So I'll take the easy one first. I mean I would get somebody from HHS in terms in their group. That at, or at HHS, it's focused on privacy. Okay. Um, or it doesn't even have to be HHS, but some government. Maybe it could be CDC, it could be somebody. You know, it, it's, but somebody from the government side that that has that sense. I would take um, I would take somebody from uh, you know a consumer representative, so some sort of consumer advocacy. Uh, group, um, and if there was one, you know, if, if there was a, a large, well represented one specifically within healthcare, uh, that would be, a, you know, a pretty significant or a pretty good starting point. Um, and then I would take—I have three left, right? Three left. I—I—I um, yeah. I, I would take one. I would take one representatives from from each of what I. I always often refer to as the three, uh, P's or, you know, the three big entities or enterprises in healthcare. So, a uh, representative from the provider side for the payer side and the pharmaceutical side, because I think those are the groups that are largely vying for, for getting into that white space. And then those two first ones in terms of consumer advocacy and, and some sort of federal representation are sort of the, uh, consultative general representation. Um, but that, that's, that's, if I only had five, which if you were going to form this group, and Somebody was doing it, it would probably be like 50, but um, you're <laughs> right. right exactly. If you're only gonna do five, I guess that's who I would
1: choose. Okay, how fast could you plus five get this done? Uh, oh, I'm one of the five now, or I'm one of the six now, of course. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I really and don't. Let think- me let me tell you why I ask that. I do feel like there is a little sense of urgency on these sort of subject matters around privacy and security because mm-hmm. the industry. That wants to get at that data Is growing so fast The value as you pointed out Is on the individual level And at the population level Is growing so fast I I do think that there is a a need For people's sense of Assuredness To to be rising At at, at least beginning to rise If not rising to keep pace At least rising in some level
0: Uh, Yeah, Truthfully I actually don't think I don't think if you had a group of six and it was that representation, it would be hard to do this. Yeah, uh, I think the challenge would then be going forth <laughs> to those to yeah. your sort of respective groups and getting the buy-in and getting buy-in. That's a good point. That's a good yeah, that point. would be the longer that would be the longer process.
1: So we've been pie in the sky for a couple of minutes, but it is it, it's a big charge in front of all of the players in that white space. Um, I, I love the way you've described that. It's it 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 sticks. And there is a big charge and there's a lot of different moving parts to address. So uh, I think it's great that your background can can help you represent because there's a lot of people that you have to represent, not least of all physicians, but also mm-hmm. we're all healthcare consumers at some level. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's those are two very powerful interests that you'll uh, that, that you can sort of be an advocate for going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully. <laughs> That's my goal. It's, it's, this has been a tremendous conversation. I've absolutely loved it. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your insights. And uh, if you ever need to update us, if, as, as the rulebook changes, as the landscape changes, you'll be one of our bellwethers. You'll come back and you'll keep us up to date so that we can try and keep up and, and make good decisions as well as we go forward.
0: Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, this has been a yeah, a really fascinating conversation. Uh, it's been really interesting. Uh, you've asked a lot of great questions, so I, I think this has been great. And yeah, it, uh, sure, I'd love to at any time. I, just because everything is moving so quickly. I mean, honestly, w- you can come back to this in six months or twelve months, and it's just things have almost fundamentally changed. So um.
1: it's amazing. It's a true statement, and it is absolutely amazing. Which is why you'll need to come back and and freshen, <laughs> freshen up the landscape for us, Travis. Thank you so much for the time. This was tremendous.